And good Monday morning to you. Wish we had some better results this weekend, but we are Bulls Unlimited, not Bulls Limited to only talking about victories. And yes, we'll bring you some highlights and post-game reaction from football this weekend. 56-35, the final score. If you would have told me that was going to be the final score, I would have assumed the Bulls would have had the 56, but it didn't work out that way. In fact, at one point it was 56-21 to before the Bulls kept fighting at the end to make the final score look somewhat better, but the defense had some issues, and you'll hear the head coach speak about a little of that. Sunday night looked like we were going to be happy with a tie for men's soccer. Yes, yours truly was on the call, and it was a bummer of a finish, and kind of got testy at the end. Tough loss for the Bulls, but not the end of the world. We'll explain in our second segment. Volleyball also lost on Sunday, but the good news is they did get one from the weekend. We said on Friday's show, splitting the weekend would be very suitable, and the Bulls did just that. So they continue to be atop the division, actually tied now with East Carolina, which got a couple of victories at home against West Division teams. So it looks like now the Bulls and Pirates are going to be battling for first place in that division. There's a little bit of a gap between them and the other teams in the seven-team group. We'll also preview both men's and women's golf playing today and tomorrow. The men are actually at home, as close to home as can be, up in Brooksville at the Southern Hills Club. We'll tell you about each of the fields that they'll be going up against. The media days begin for the American Athletic Conference. And along with that, now we won't update it for this show, but we will just keep an eye and tell you that ESPN Plus will have the AAC Media Days beginning right at 9 o'clock on ESPN Plus is when you'll find out where the Bulls are picked, both men's and women's, to finish in the conference. I would almost guarantee the women will be picked to win the league, and the men, well, that'll be the question mark, where they, of course, with the brand-new head coach, Amir Abdul-Rahim, and with... So many new teams in the conference. Where's everybody going to get picked, right? I would guess that the team that made the Final Four last year gets picked to win the league on the men's side. That'd be FAU. But do the coaches in the league, returning coaches in the league, of which there aren't a ton, uh, say that we'll go with Memphis. It was funny to watch the Big 12 women's basketball preseason poll last week, and the four newcomers got picked to finish at the bottom four. I don't think that's going to, well, a couple of them are going to struggle. But anyway, the point is it'll be fun to watch where the Bulls and everybody else that's coming into the league slot. On the men's side, certainly the new additions are going to be crowded towards the top, not just FAU, but North Texas and UAB had really good years last year, made it to the final of the NIT, played against each other. On the women's side, it looks like Rice is the best of the incoming teams from Conference USA, but we'll learn a lot more about all of them when the season begins in less than a month. The representatives for the Bulls, by the way, the women and the men will be the first teams to speak on ESPN show. So right at 10 o'clock, you're going to see first the returning leading score from last year for the Bulls, Sammy Puisis, along with Maria Alvarez, point guard Ariel Wilson, and of course head coach Jose Fernandez. The men's team, of course, represented by Coach Amir Abdul-Rahim, along with one of his transfers from Kennesaw State, Chris Youngblood, and Kobe Knox, the Tampa kid. 6'5 guard who likes to shoot the three, also led his team last year in blocks. At 6'5, he had 24 blocks for Grand Canyon. That's a team that made a somewhat surprise run through the WAC tournament and got to the NCAA tournament. A place that the Bulls would love to get back to, but I think this year winning record would be something that we would all take. Well, the football team had a winning record, still at 3-3, three and three, but disappointing, and especially on the defensive side, giving up 
More yards than anyone has given up in an American Athletic Conference game this year. 608 yards. A lot of the damage done by UAB in the first half of a 56-35 final. In their history, the Bulls had never allowed a 60 spot, and it looked like it was heading that way because UAB had the 56 points early in the fourth quarter, and 58 was the most the Bulls ever allowed in the game. And But for a missed 32-yard field goal, the Bulls avoided giving up more points than they ever had in the game. Shout out to Sean Atkins because after the Bulls cut it to 56-35, Alex Golish tried an onside kick, and UAB recovered it and was headed to the end zone, but Sean Atkins ran the kid down and got the tackle. You knew it was going to be a long game. It ended up being 4 hours and 23 minutes. knew it was going to be a long game when it took about 5 minutes for the opening kickoff to actually be officially conducted as Trent Dilfer probably foreseeing that there'd be a lot of points in this contest, decided to onside kick it. They recovered it, but replay showed that it didn't go the 10 yards, and I think the officials kind of invented a penalty to make it easier to take against UAB. There were penalties real and invented in this game, but a lot of offense as well. It sure looked like it was going to be an easy day for the Bulls offense based on the first drive. Four wide receivers running back left side. Brown. Keeper runs it up the middle into the secondary and all the way Byron Brown is going to score from 60 yards out. He broke through the defense and went untouched. Byron Brown puts the Bulls ahead. Really, really easy run for Byron Brown who would get his usual running yards. But the Blazers had a quick and lengthy answer themselves, and this sequence of events foreshadowed what would happen on the day. Long snap count this time. Now they pitch on an end around. They go to the left, and they've got room, and weaving his way into the open field for a 75-yard touchdown. UAB answers with Brandon Buckhalter. He's a wide receiver, and he came around the left side on the jet sweep, and 75 yards later, he was holding the ball in the air in the end zone. Brown to throw, looking, looking, rolling right, unloads, and that one will be picked off at the five-yard line. And Zeno to throw. Quick drop, got his man, and breaking into the open field. This will be another touchdown for UAB. Taewon Palmer goes 60 yards, and the Bulls' defense gives up another big play. UAB takes their first lead. Bulls go to the two tight end formation here on first and 10. Wolf goes in motion. Brown following Kwan Polly fumbles. Scramble for it, UAB ball. First and 10 on the 21. Here comes Brown, started inside, doubted outside, got the edge, gets the touchdown. Jermaine Brown. And UAB is on the board again. They had six more touchdowns in him, hard to believe, but that was really it. And it hasn't been really it in a game this year for the Bulls, and they would get it to, on the last play of the first quarter, a seven-point game. But combination, in my opinion, of play calls that maybe the Bulls hadn't seen 
and shoddy tackling by South Florida. They just could not get off the field. You look at the final stats and see that UAB was 4 for 12 on third downs, but a lot of that was after things were decided when it was still very much undecided, especially in the first half. Bulls only got off the field one time via a punt. There was an interception by Braxton Clark, which seemed like it might have been a little bit of a lifeline for the Bulls because it eventually, as you know, led to them scoring on that last play of the first quarter. But the long passing plays, okay, let me amend that. The long plays by Jacob Zeno, who came in with all these completions, but not a ton of yards. He was third in the country in completions with 31 and a half per game. He was only 19 for 25, but for more yards than he usually throws for, 353 and four touchdowns. Now, that first jet sweep goes down as a throwing play because, and I don't know if they did this on purpose. It's kind of a slick move. Either way, it worked. Trent Dilfer, if you pitch the ball in front of you, Technically, that's a pass, but a 75-yard touchdown pass makes it sound like it was deep down the field. None of what UAB did was deep down the field. It was short stuff that turned into long stuff, and whether it was a defensive back with a poor read, poor angle, or missed tackle, or sometimes all three on one play, it was all happening for UAB. That second touchdown, 61-yard pass, quote-unquote, was really about a 10-yard pass that turned into 61 yards, and Jermaine Brown is fantastic. We mentioned how good he is. The running back for the Blazers ended up becoming the fifth player in Division I to score four touchdowns rushing in a game. And again, it was 56-21 on another one of those long pass plays, which was really a short pass play. Looking to throw, has time, got a man. It's caught first down and more into USF territory to the 40, to the 30, and all the way into the end zone. Holy cow. 57-yard touchdown to John Palmer, and UAB cracks the 50 mark. And again, that was early in the fourth quarter. There were some missed tackles on that play, and you get the idea. Bulls did end up padding the stats just a little bit. It was at one time a situation where UAB ran, well, in the first half, they ran 15 more plays than the Bulls, and the Bulls ended up with 81 plays of offense, but that was thanks to UAB bringing in its second-string quarterback. The first stringer was fantastic. You look at the final stats and see that UAB was 4 of 12 on third downs, but when it mattered, namely the first half and early in the second, when they didn't convert a third down, which was one time, they converted their first three fourth downs. Before the third score that made it 21-7, there was a fourth and four run. And to me, maybe the biggest moment of the game, again, UAB's offense was showing it was going to have a big day regardless, but 28-14 with about two and a half minutes to go in the first half, and it looked like the Bulls were going to get off the field. It was fourth and eight at midfield. UAB's going to punt, right? No, they went for it and converted with a basically a screen that turned into barely a first down. So instead of Bulls only down two scores at worst at the half, possibly scoring themselves, UAB stays on the field, effectively drains the rest of the clock, and in the end, the Bulls only had five yards in the third quarter because of that extended possession. Mentioned Byron Brown's running yards, 16 carries for 136 and two scores. Michael Dukes added a touchdown run. Brown threw for 260 and two scores, but had the two picks and was just 24 for 43. Sean Atkins led the way with eight catches for 91 yards. An issue certainly dropped long balls. The Bulls did keep trying to shoot it down the field and just could not 
have that long connection. A couple of drops, one in the end zone by Alexis, one in that second quarter where I mentioned they hardly had any positive plays. That was a catch by Chafre Brown that wasn't. So the stuff that has been working out didn't work out so much against the Blazers. Credit them on both sides of the ball. Defense played well for the Blazers. The Bulls came out, and you could tell they probably got an earful at halftime. It's a three-touchdown deficit, and UAB starts the ball, and the Bulls force a three and out. But then UAB's defense answered in turn. Mentioned Jermaine Brown, four touchdowns, 18 carries for 116 yards. So... A lot that wasn't what we'd seen from the Bulls. Here's head coach Alex Golish. Turning the football over, not tackling, you know, guys running and and allowing us to not make plays in space. We have done a good job in terms of getting people down, eliminating explosives. That's what I mean by not us. The end result is the end result. It has nothing to do with who we are um, in terms of as a program. Um, So uncharacteristic in terms of couldn't get off the field, couldn't create anything explosive offensively early, and then turned it over. That's what I mean by not us. But I thought our guys kept fighting. That was the reason for the onside kick. That was the reason that we were going to continue to go offensively to try to crawl back into it. Um, You know, same thing from a coaching side. Like, we're going to keep swinging, and we're going to keep swinging, and we're going to keep swinging. But I don't see a quit in the guys. Um, I don't see a lack of effort. I see us out of position at times. I I saw drop balls at times. But in terms of effort, I I think from from what we've built in terms of what the program is, I thought the effort was was there. But again, go back, evaluate it, point it out when it wasn't, and, and demand reasons for why more so coaching than anything else and may seem like a small thing but one other clip here and i want to point out logan berryhill for being the guy because usually you know it's not easy to come to the podium after a loss and this was the person that represented the bulls and love his mentality as a defense we just got a lot back in more like just get ourselves back to how we was doing earlier just start hitting people more than what we usually do we still know the type of team we are we still know that we're we, we are good. We just got to go back to practice and, and find ourselves again. Everybody everybody has those times where you get punched in the mouth. So like, now it's like, now what? It's not about what we're going to do now. And they'll be going up against FAU, a team that has a pretty good receiver but lost its quarterback. We'll talk more about the Owls later in the week. It is homecoming week. Sure, we'll give you a big rundown on bull speed ahead. We'll be recording that with Michael Kelly this afternoon and bringing that show to you on Tuesday morning. Here on Monday morning, we'll give you the rest of the weekend. Volleyball, men's soccer, again, a heartbreaking loss, but content warning, we will play how the game ended. (laughs) We won't probably replay the match any on the channel, but on this show, you'll get to hear a couple highlights, and the Bulls certainly played well and deserved a tie, but ended up losing 2-1. to We'll also tell you about what's coming up this week with men's and women's golf. In fact, starting today, both teams in action. That's all when Bulls Beat continues.